and welcome to Do the Right Thing, your weekly writing prompt podcast. I'm Alexandra. And I'm Jarvis. Uh, Jarvis and I are, well, we want to write. So we did the podcast where we do some writing and, and that's, and we're trying to, we're trying to learn how to, how to be good, how to, how to write good. That's, that's the podcast. We write good. It's the, it's mm-hmm. the goal. Exactly. So each week we are issuing a challenge. Each week you sit down and write a complete short story using three or four randomly generated words. Then we come on the podcast, we read the story, we talk about what we learned in writing, and then we talk about stories sent in by you wonderful listeners. Exactamundo, you already know what this podcast is. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I'm really glad. I, I also want to want to add, this is not this is a this is a secret I have not revealed to the audience before, but every single time that you do your section where you yeah. um where we talk about what, what you learn, you, you know, you say it not necessarily on a beat, but there's like a pause every between every you know certain set of words, and I mm-hmm. am uh, moving. Yeah, yeah, like jujitsu, ju, ju what's what ninjutsu? That's that's the word. Mm-hmm. Ninjutsu. Um, ninjutsu move hand yeah. motion movements. Why? How does that work? What do you mean? Why? Why do when they move their hands in a certain way, they they explode in a puff of smoke? How does that work? Oh yeah, in, in Naruto. Um, well, yeah, I think it's because they uh, they they have this thing called chakra. Okay. Um, and because of this chakra, um, by them doing certain uh, movements, it's like casting a spell that turns them into a log. Yeah, that happens a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Like a lot, a lot. But for some reason, it stopped happening so much as the show went on. I don't know. Maybe because it's more entertaining to get someone see someone kicked in the face rather than kick a log, log in the yeah, face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I I will there, look. There's one. It, there's only one scene in Naruto that matters, and it's it's Gara versus um. What's it? What's his name? Uh, Rockley says name. Rockley. Oh yeah, when he yeah. when he put him in the um leaf whirl uh, the leaf whirlwind. Uh, I I look the one where it's like in the in the tournament. Yeah, part, it's, it's the and he's uh, a, tuning exam. Yeah, and then he's on top of the the, the Rockley. He doesn't have any magic. He just punches real fast, and yeah. he's on top of he's on top of the like a big spiral rocks. And he's like, I'm gonna take this seriously, and it takes off these little these little weights, the weights on his legs. Yes, and. They're like, oh, that's not really going to help that much. How heavy can those things be? And then they hit the ground, and it's just giant explosions because <laughs> they, they were so heavy. And then Gara, he controls sand, and that's that's really cool. And he's like a mm-hmm. he's like a doll kind of guy, and he's and they, he punches real fast. Doesn't he still lose though? Uh, yes, he does, but that's definitely like much better than you know most people because Gara has a um Jin a Jin Chudaki. In in right. him, which is just like a like a like a tailed beast, like a demon beast type type deal. So he so he, he's of course stronger than anyone else besides Naruto, because Naruto is the main character, and no one can be fucking stronger than him. Except for um no uh Sakura is that Sakura? She's not stronger than anyone. Look, I don't know these characters' names. You're, the, you're, the rival you're boy. talking about Sasuke. Sasuke. And Sasuke. Sasuke is not strong. Anyway, this is now a Naruto, this is now a Naruto. If, if if in case you didn't know, this is what the uh, the doofovers, the the ten dollar bonus content episodes where we talk mm-hmm. about anime. Uh, that's what these are. By the way, the Steinsgate episode it's recorded. I just have to finish editing it, and it'll be out there. 
Yeah, um, but what are we yeah. what are we doing next? I forgot. Um, I think next I would like to do erase. Oh no no no! We okay. we said we would do a uh, Kakaguri. I think. Oh, okay okay okay. Yeah, season it, one I and will two. review the footage, uh, and we'll make sure. Anyway, let's. So this is episode ninety nine, Jarvis. Mm-hmm. Isn't that wild? Yes. I know. I, I honestly One can't more. believe that I've done 99 of anything. Yeah, right? Like, um, you've, uh, I, was, I can't think of a joke. Never mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, episode 99. That's, that's kind of wild. Next episode, episode 100. That's even more wild. We've been doing this for two whole years. Um, what were the words this week? Thank you so much for asking. The words this week were... Noble, Center, Apology, and Mosque. And the topic uh, for these stories this week was regret. So which ones did you uh, choose today for your story? Thank you. I use Center, Apology, and Mosque. And uh, my story this week, uh, I really wanted to try something different. So the concept I was going for is that the reason why the main character is 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 writing this is because of regret but that regret doesn't necessarily show itself in the actual piece okay um i'm hoping that that kind of came across because this definitely reads more so like a revenge story with a with a sad ending i i guess but um yeah no it was really nice writing it this this week got to get some stuff off my chest is this yeah well i guess we'll talk about that after the episode but but i am wondering if this is um if this is a your dark twisted fantasy of of a, of a real living situation that you're in um stuff is stuff is definitely borrowed i would say that the the other character within this piece is more so based off of people within my family ah, um okay but I would say that yes, a current a current situation has definitely, I guess, like fed into why I um I wrote this. But yeah, I would say it is a collection of almost every single last roommate that I've had, of of family members, and just different e- e- different events. So, all right, well, uh, let's let's stop being vague and let's get right into it. What's the name yes. of your story? The name of this story is I Won. I am justified in all things I've done within the last few months. I will not budge or falter on that. I am no worse than a fly swatter, or a bug zapper, or harsh legal penalties on minuscule amounts of drugs. For me to be any worse than human, my actions would, would hold malice tenfold and overstep that of the initial offense to cause such a reaction. So I am not sorry. I am not here to apologize for being human. But I am tired of that look they give me whenever I tell this story. It's disgust, confusion, the look you'd give a rabies-riddled puppy before it's euthanized. The difference here is that justice won't be served, and I never bit anyone who didn't deserve abiding. I guess you could call this my confession, yet the sins I will confess are victories in my eyes. And I swear to whatever deity comforts your sleep, you would have done the exact same. So I'll just rip off the band-aid. I poisoned my roommate. 
I put it in his leftover rice, sprinkled the remains over the stale oil pan he insisted he'd keep in the oven, and of course, save some for the dishes. For context, my roommate is a silent, harmless, simple man who's honestly gone more than, than he was here. We had nothing in common, but that was fine. I didn't pick him to be my roommate, nor did he me. So the linking string that kept things cordial between us was his bro-bro-like mentality we held as black men under the same roof. We were different brands of black, mind you, but we held the same fears, and that was enough to simmer any hostility that bubbled. Until he decided to be an absolute slob. Our kitchen is a small, dim, tan countertopped, walk-in closet-sized extension of our living room. For the price of, of rent, it's more than we should have gotten. And my previous roommates understood our kitchen as a lovely common area we can meet, chat, and laugh in. We kept it clean. But this new roommate? Whether his brain was too slow to process being considerate, or if he was the self-centered meathead I pinned him for. He treated our area, my pots and pans, with high levels of disrespect. I don't think it's too far for most people to understand the concept of cleaning up after yourself. If you have the energy to cook in the kitchen, you have the energy to clean the kitchen. But he just couldn't wrap his head around it. On Monday, he'd make chili and splatter it all over the stovetops. I'd say something, tell him to clean it, to find that in addition to the chili splatters, he added Kool-Aid stains to the countertops. On Tuesday, I'd, I'd wash the dishes, only to have him slither out of his room with arms full of dirty dishes, dishes that weren't his to begin with, and dump them in the sink without saying a word. By Friday, he turned our apartment into a crack den, accompanied by the fine smell of mold from his room. And, before I can say a damn thing, he's gone for the weekend, leaving my Saturday and Sunday filled with cleaning up after the snot-nosed brat I live with. It's just ridiculous. He treats my home as some metro station bathroom and leaves a warpath of filth as if we had the money for a cleaning crew. But that doesn't justify a poisoning. No, the straw that broke the camel's back was that he decided everything in the kitchen was his. I knew this because I started losing eggs by the day. Two each day. Then it was my bread, taking half the loaf with him when he left for, for the day. My milk, my fish, my rice, even my fucking leftovers weren't safe in the apartment I paid for. The worst part was that he always tried to play it off. When he'd take an egg, his, his neck would cock back to make sure no one was looking. When I would be in the living room while he's cooking, every movement I'd make he'd mirror. When I'd get up and, and, and walk past him, he'd toss stuff round and hide things behind him. You know, like a child hiding a cookie from his parents. It was a game to him. He was playing his little game with my food. Food I could barely afford because of COVID. I partially blame myself for letting it slide past the first missing egg. 
but I just had too much misplaced faith in the guy. Hoped he'd do the right thing and say sorry for it and offer to buy another dozen. But I was being taken advantage of. Being blatantly disrespected in a home I had more claim to than him. When I eventually stepped to him, he was nothing but defensive, saying that he never touched your shit. But I watched him and saw him do it. He said he cleaned up after him himself. Him standing next to those same Kool-Aid stains. Then he started attacking, saying how high and mighty I was, because, he assumed, I grew up in the suburbs and never struggled for a thing in my life. He called me racist, because that applies here. He called me holier than thou and said he would pray for me next time he goes to mosque. I know I am objectively better than that shit-stained baseball player. He didn't have to say it. Beyond anything, I was surprised he, he knew what holier than thou meant, yet didn't know that cleanliness is next to godliness. So, we were beefing. And to retaliate, I stole his food. Quicker than I thought, he picked up on it and questioned me. I, of course, hit him with the same shit he told me, and in turn, he stole a whole loaf of bread from me and left for a week. Very adult of him. That whole week, I planned to get even. And I really need you to understand this here. His actions are not only annoying and disrespectful to me, but how is this going to affect him throughout his life? I've thought long and hard on this. How could he date and marry anyone if this is how he's willing to live? What if I was an angrier person? Someone, someone not willing to, to teach a lesson and would rather just run up on him in the middle of the night? You see, no one can live their life with such a lack of consideration without them being in danger of idle hands. So, in the controlled environment of our apartment, there would be no better time than then to teach this kid an important lesson that could possibly save his life. Soap is an amazing all-purpose prank tool. It's slippery yet sticky, can clean most things, yet if left to dry, leaves a horrible stain. The tiniest bit of soap can smell of a room, and if it touches your tongue, you'll, you'll wince harder than anything else. So the real question was how to use it. I couldn't just go ham and spray it all, all over his room. That's way too obvious and he'd know it was me. What I wanted was to slowly eat at him. Same as how having to clean up after that animal ate away at me. I would shift little things around him that could be coincidence. Like moving his stuff in the fridge. Throwing away small portions of his food as he's cooking and throwing raw food under his bed when he's not home. I tried all these things and he did not care. I know he didn't catch me because I can sneak circles around his slow ass, so I could only guess that he was so tuned out to what was going on around him he didn't notice the smell of his room or how much food he cooks in the first place. So, to get a stronger reaction, I set my sights on what started it all. Food. I started by placing one drop of dish soap in his milk, but nothing happened. Next, I tried his water cup to only get the same result. 
but on one fateful night, God gave me the answer. He had left to go to the pool, insisted the honeys there would, would love him, and gave a very vulgar gesture of what he hoped to do with said honeys. Before he left for 2-3 hours, though, he used my pan to cook some, some rice while he was gone. I watched him patiently from the couch. How he filled the pan ever so slowly to the brim. How he salted his, his water and even used some of my onions to give it extra flavor. But then he left, and I went to work. First, I dumped the entire thing out, putting the rice to the side. Then I measured out an equivalent amount of water and mixed in three spoonfuls of clear dish soap. After that, I used his onions, salt, and pepper for seasoning. Finally, I burnt some toast to mask any suspicious smell and waited till nine for him to arrive. He came in flapping his gums, all dumb nonsensical mumblings, but he did as I expected. As he talked to me, he trotted around the kitchen, sniffing the old rice and, and using my butter to reheat it. He was none the wiser when he took his first bite. Then a second came. By the time he caught on to me, ignoring him, he'd already gobbled the entire pot of soap rice and went to bed. I had thought I'd failed and almost dashed some salt in his milk, but that night, in the wee hours, I could hear the groveling groans of a man brought to his knees. Ooh, you can only imagine the giddy I had. Had to put a cup to the door to really get the full effect of his pain. He was locked away in that small room of his, but I could imagine it vividly. Him tossing and turning in his small bed, sweating bullets and clutching his stomach. He probably thought he caught a worm, a stomach bug, STD, right before a telling fart blindsided him with diarrhea. I was a damn near dancing fool outside his room. I finally got him. He was feeling the pain I felt scraping dry food off his Tupperware, cleaning the counters, and finding missing food. I was reverous in my little revenge scheme. A bit guilty, but I had already made plans to be nicer to him after the fact, you know, to clear suspicion. But I never got the chance. You see, soap has a very high pH. Cooking it only rises such pH to levels above stomach acid. Now, in small doses, this is fine. But I cooked a whole pot of rice using it, so... What I'm trying to say is that he went to the hospital that night. Later, I found out that after they pumped his stomach, there was irreversible damage to his kidneys. So, dialysis was in order. And he couldn't play anymore, and eventually he moved out because the whole reason for him being here was to play ball, and I don't think he was able to get the right message out of this. But some part of me really doesn't care. If you think I took it too far, A, join the club. The optimal outcome would have been him to shake it off like everything else. But you know, good fucking riddance. I haven't lost an ounce of sleep after poisoning that lug, and you shouldn't be afraid to strike those who disrespect you. 
I am nothing but human abiding by the laws that pre-existed the Ten Commandments. Pre-biblical. Eye for an eye shit. If you think otherwise, you probably haven't won a damn thing worth mentioning. Matter of fact, why am I even talking to you? Lord knows y'all are haterish and don't want to see someone proud of what they did and living regret-free. So go on and sip your tea. Pass the judgment that makes you feel good about your quiet little life. I bet when someone disrespects you, you roll over and take the fucking week. Excellent story, Jarvis. Um, you have uh, this, this very... This writer is very much... Um, Vindictive yes. is not the right right word, but like has a lot of conviction in that this was the correct course of action, right? Even yeah. though it's a little bit overblown of a, of a reaction, but I really mm-hmm. like the way that you go from you know setting out the what the what the grievances are, and then into what the attempted uh, solutions are, and how that sort of goes beyond what they hope, but they don't you know learn any anything from it. They don't. You decide maybe they went a bit too far or anything mm-hmm. like that um it's sort of this, this unrepentant character but i i very much enjoyed the the journey of this and i, I enjoyed the language um mm-hmm. used in here a lot yeah thank you thank you i uh d- i really did set out to sort of have this character have a failed arc you know um because you know uh, n- normally it would be like oh you uh, try to get back of them and then it goes too, too far and um, then you're sad. But I really did want to make this sort of flawed, this sort of flawed character that is wrong, that's wrong about a lot of things. And I kind of want these, these sort of, this sort of, no, and I kind of want the audience at the very end to be questioning this this character and the validity of the things that they are saying. So yeah, I, I would say that this was definitely a huge trial on um, my part, but by the end of it, I, I did really enjoy how sort of angry this uh, character came off. <laughs> yeah, that's so. That's the thing I was I was referencing, right? So you said uh, that these are based off of family more than actual roommates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would say that a lot of the roommate situations have have happened, but I think um, the sort of way that they interact is 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 definitely a um, a mirror of certain uh, certain family members that I have lived with. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of took a, uh, a bit from that and a bit from this and sort so, of created this situation. Is this an, is this your actual confession letter for putting one of your cousins in the hospital with, um, soap poisoning? I am not at liberty to say. Fair enough. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's a pretty, pretty harsh thing to do. Although you'd think that someone would notice soap in, if it's soaked into all of their rice, but fair enough. Yeah, you <laughs> you would think, and I think if I did like go back and work on this again, I would add a lot more to that last moment, you know, because I feel like I was really rushing towards that, and you know exactly like what happens when you do cook soap. What does that, what does that look like? I nah, think I that think it, was, it was probably fine. Okay. I mean, you just you just whatever happens, you just douse it in the soy sauce and 
It tastes good. great. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I would say that for this story, I feel that I was definitely telling a lot more than showing. But at the same time, I kind of do want it to be solely through this main character's per perspective you know i don't really Mm -hmm. want to step out outside of what they would say so i really try to sort of channel this as you said this this vindictive person who uh will definitely seems to uh stop at nothing to to get back to someone who disrespects them because respect Uh is a really big thing i will say that that final um final revenge is a bit harsh (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes well, okay, so so I have a question. Uh, how uh-huh. did you feel, um, not only about the sort of voice throughout this, but how the voice started to point the the finger at the audience towards the end? Did that feel mis- misplaced, or did that feel sort of natural based off of what it was leading up to? You mean like the uh, you have no place to judge me kind of stuff? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I felt like it, it was it was fitting enough. Um, mm, but I felt that I mean, like the character was definitely wrong about it. Like it's definitely worth pointing to to judge it pretty harshly because it was pretty, you know, um, not uh, proportional. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe if there was a, a little bit more of like, I didn't mean to go that far, but you still don't get to judge me because you know it's a desperate time or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, you just seemed pretty unrepentant. So I, I felt like it was definitely like, I didn't believe him. You know, I didn't, I didn't listen when he was saying that. Mm, okay. I see. I see. Which, Which I, I, guess... I don't think that's necessarily bad. I'm just saying that's my. Well, no, yeah. I don't believe this character because they don't, they don't deserve a lot more sympathy because they, they're that. completely unrepentant. Yeah, and you know that was that was really what I was. I guess the whole point is to get the audience to not believe this this uh, character, to see that that they are flawed. Um, I do feel though that I might have gotten caught up with that and didn't really uh, drive home the the regret that this character must have felt to write it in the first place. You know. Hmm. So, so, so I guess, like, does this story at all speak towards re- regret for you? Or was that sort of like a misstep on my part? Um, I mean, if I'm going to think it, it, it means regret, I think it would be, like, just the, the roommate's regret. If I needed to find a lens where that's, mm-hmm. that's the case. Um, the roommate regretting to uh, mess with this insane roommate. Mm-hmm. Um, I get that. I mean, I was I was sort of thinking that this main character's reaction to their own actions shows his own re regret through making this, I guess. But I'm definitely reading too far into the overall world. And also, you know, there are different forms of regret and they can bubble up in in different ways. I know uh, going back to that family member that some of this is based off of. Uh, I know that the way that they showed regret was to be as defensive and rude as possible. So you're saying uh, like this, like this last section saying, you know, you don't get to judge me. That sort of thing is actually like that they they actually do regret it quite a bit and they mm-hmm. are 
they are defensive. Um, yeah, they're about. they're being defensive because mm-hmm. they they do know that they should be they should feel guilty. Yeah, because I mean they are lashing out at faceless, nameless bodies, right? Mm-hmm. But I so but you know of of course I'm unsure if that came uh, across, and based off of what you told me, it didn't. Sorry, I'm just getting caught back up reading the the section. I really like your your prose and how gleeful the uh, the main character is, uh, listening to the the pain of the roommate. A dancing fool. Uh-huh. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. I, I I like the the character that all, all three of this. Um. And just how angry they are, and almost like how much they they seem to nearly like invite. Um. Like, like they are correct in, in, you know, their grievances, but also just the way that they talk about it and the way that they uh, go about addressing that. You can tell that they're just like a total fucking dick. Mm-hmm. And so they keep your sympathy away from themselves. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, hey, if someone is stealing your food, that's pretty fucky, right? But the real question is how far is too far you know while i was writing this i was really thinking like if someone steals your food and you steal it back that's not too too far right that's an eye for an eye Uh uh-huh uh but like what is the what is the maximum penalty that someone deserves when they not only steal from you but also disrespect you apparently permanent uh, kidney damage. Yes, yes, that's that's what I think, um, <laughs> but but of course that seems to be too too far by by most standards. Did you know? Did you know that most soap uh, that we use is not actual soap? It's a uh, mm. d- detergent. So like dish detergent is actually detergent. It's not a soap. Soap mm. is um, much stronger, I think, normally, and it's also much more dangerous. Yeah. Also, like, isn't soap made from fat? Isn't that a thing? I think it was originally. I don't know if it is now. It, lye, which is like super, super, like it, it scrubs everything. It, it does what make your hands bleed. You know. Oh, so imagine geez. that inside of your stomach. Yeah. Mm, I saw. Some I saw that movie with with uh, with uh, what's the the Harry Potter actor? Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, Daniel Radcliffe, the horror movie that the house. The old lady and the, oh, the ghost and the the woman in black. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's that was, some, that was some kids really die from eating lie in that movie. Mm-hmm. So, were there any moments within this story that it wasn't clear either what was happening or what the main character's intentions were? Like, were you lost at any given point? Um, no. Well, well, the the structure of this actually I think is very clear and um, pretty tried and true of like. Yeah, setting up that problem and then slowly going through possible solutions, right? Talking to this person, that doesn't work. Some pranks don't work, so it escalates further and further. Um, so, no, it was a pretty clear uh, structure, and, I, and I, I felt I knew where it was going. I mean, it starts off sort of telling you what, what we're going to end up with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a poisoning. Which, so, which, which, I don't know, did you feel that that sort of spoiled the ending or mm. or or did that only help to sort of build the tone it it definitely worked i do wonder how it would have turned out without that right if we mm. um knew that something had happened but not what and then we see that it's yeah that it's it's a soap poisoning although i think uh, the word poisoning definitely like makes it feel more serious than if you knew that it was just soap right yeah 
I mean, so, that's still so poisoning, though. You can still yeah, but the word poisoning himself. is like, oh, he murdered his roommate, mm, and yes. then you go through and you're like, okay, he didn't murder, but he still fucked him up. You see, at at first, that is kind of what I wanted to to do. You know, it all sort of building up uh, until he quote unquote accidentally kills uh, kills him. But then I realized that that would take too much time to set up, and that it would be. And that this main and that this main character would be vaguely more redeemable if they didn't kill someone but just poison them, you know? Maybe. Yeah, but I maybe but, redeemable. Yeah, but I do wonder how this this story would have turned out if they did murder, you know? Well, they would certainly look a bit more mad. <laughs> just a bit more mad. <laughs> um, but all right, I think that's all we'll, uh, we need on your story. Do you uh, have anything you want to talk about with? Um, you know, what you learned and, and what you would want to change on a rewrite? Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, on the rewrite, I would probably start from square one. I would de- I would definitely want this story to be a lot more slower, you know, as it slowly unfolds. I would want to go through more possible quote-unquote pranks that, uh, he would, that he would pull on his uh, roommate. Um and I mean, overall, I would really want to work with with the with the ending, really build up more more tension because I feel that that things just happen, and there isn't that sort of tension that makes you want to keep reading. I I I guess, but I mean, what I learned from it is that working with a very evocative voice uh, helps me a a lot when it comes to like writing more. And a more, you know, because the voice to to me sort of really dictates where the story goes. So I think, mm-hmm. so I think in the future, I would I would definitely uh, work more so on on whatever voice I use and sort of let that write, um, and, you know, edit later, of course. Mm-hmm. But overall, really, 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 really dug this this challenge. It was nice. Hell yeah! All right, let's get into listener submitted stories. Sure, sure. So, it's our listener submitted story section. As you know, we are very thankful to everyone who did submit a story, and we wish we we can read all of them, but there just simply is not enough time in a given day. So, we we will be reading stories by No Goodbye, Captain Rhino, Nippo Tin, Glittering Coast, and Hugo Manners. Uh, that's right, but um, we thank everyone else who submitted as well, and we really appreciate you sending the story, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Exactly. So first up is by No Goodbye with Old Acquaintances. Town Road. Mm, close. Um, yeah, we need to get uh, Lil Nas to uh, Lil Nas X to. Is to, that wait? Is it Lil? Is it Nas X or Lil Nas X? It is. Or is it just Lil Nas? It is Lil Nas X. I think. Okay, we should get Lil Nas X to submit a story. Ooh, maybe I. I have a feeling he's probably a pretty good writer. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I will DM him. <laughs> um, okay. Um, so we have here uh, Abby, <laughs> which is a really fun setup for what their actual name is later, uh, sitting down across from the champion. Abby um, is being addressed with um, masculine pronouns, even though they're described as currently being inside the body of an old woman, which is uh, an interesting way to phrase that. Uh, and Abby has, uh, has been aging for uh, centuries, although she does look only as if she's been aging for decades, but she does look old. And so she and the champion, our viewpoint character, um, talk um, 
and Abby is a very much um, uh, combative and you know complaining about her life. She hates being mortal. Um, she she had a, a heart attack recently, and uh, the champion is um, telling Abby, whose actual name is Abaddon, right, the the demon, that uh, they're they're giving up on on trying to find uh, their companions, the other ones that are supposed to be immortal, but that were um, buried as se- se- severed heads um, miles under underground. And um, the champion sort of worries that the they are they've gone mad at this point, and um, so we kind of get to an understanding that uh, the champion is now immortal, while Abaddon is now mortal and probably going to be dying soon. And um, even though they were supposed to learn and grow from their time as a as a mortal, uh, they've basically I mean they've learned you know what suffering it is, but they're not like a kind person now or anything like that. They're just uh, maybe even more um, vindictive, mm-hmm. um, but by the end of it, uh, you know they both address how they've been reduced to you know just like squabbling with each other, and um, Abaddon says, "Oh, we really are getting close. Is this what love feels like <laughs> for you? This might just be the closest thing to it." And Abaddon laughs, and it's kind of genuine, even though they are so uh, they sort of hate each other, but it, it's. They've, they've got that long relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So I really like this this story. Uh, I think the twist of these two being uh, immortal beings was was really nice. But at the same time, I, I really did like how you can really feel the, re, the regret within the champion. How, you know, so much time has, has, has passed and that they are sort of giving up on their last fight, you know. And you know that's that's a really strong sort of piece that that really does push this 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 story forward. I think that the uh, that the dialogue is is really nice. You're getting a really strong sense of of both of these uh, characters. And I mean, o- and I mean overall, I I feel that the ending did make me laugh, but also really do feel sad for these characters. So overall, really great job. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, who is next? Up next is by Glittering Coast with the Misty Mountain. Um, I love the Misty Mountain. That that song is uh is wonderful from from uh, the Hobbits. Great, mm, yeah, um, yeah. but this is not about that. So we have our main <laughs> character at the foot of a mountain, uh, talking about how um, they've uh they're going to go to the mosque at the top. That's the family mosque because they lost their parents recently. They'd been estranged. They'd been away for a very long time. And um, they spend most of the story talking about how much they regret not coming back and and spending time with their parents. And now it's too late to do that. Um, But they go to that mosque. They pray. And even though they've been estranged from their religion for a very long time as well. um, And they, yeah, they continue to sob for, you know, never being able to reconnect with their their parents and we don't know what what the thing that mm-hmm. um you know caused the rift was um you know on whose side we should be on but what's you know significant is that the character regrets not not coming back um but um there is some solace that some of the other family members who you know they haven't also talked to in a very long time reach out and and give comfort and maybe that's sort of like um maybe maybe that's a consolation that though they can't reconnect with their parents they can reconnect with the rest of that family that they haven't talked to in a very very long time 
Yeah, yeah. So, I, yeah, this is a really great story. Um, I, I like how the reason as to why they are estranged from their family is left ambiguous. Uh, it really does let you sort of focus on this moment without really taking those those sides. Um, and I think that the sense of regret in this is really strong and is very understandable. And, you know, they are going through every possible way that they re- regret it. They... They regret that they were estranged. They were always hoping that you know they can come back home, and it's sad that they can't. So yeah, I just think that you know overall this is a really good piece, and I think that uh, that that the ending does speak towards hope. You know whether they they fully uh, find their religion uh, again, or you know if they're able to reconnect to their family through this sort of tragedy. So I mean overall, really 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 strong piece. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Up next is by Nipotin with an interview. So as usual, Nipotin is doing a, an interesting thing here <laughs> in the meta narrative. It's fun. Um, yeah, absolutely. So we have here an interview, but only one side is uh, included at all, and we sort of um, get the implication that this is some sort of uh, you know therapy appointment or, or something like that. Very much. Um, focused on like the the mental health of the interviewee but we don't see any of the answers of the interviewee mm-hmm. and um, we get some clues as to what they might be saying as we go through um, like one of the earlier questions um, is um, and how have you addressed these as you put it concerns have mm-hmm. you kept a journal talk to anyone else express yourself in some kind of outlet so that obviously implies that the um, line before you know mentions concerns mm-hmm um, and, and we go through, we get some sort of um, implications on, you know, talking about uh, imposter syndrome and um, self-overcoming and constant becoming um, and authenticity and a bunch of different things. And um, as Nipton talks about in their own notes that this, you sort of project yourself into the answers, you know, you're imagining what the interviewee might be saying. And, you know, you might be off from the reality, but it sort of tells you a bit of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, for like a small critique is that I didn't quite know what some of these, um, you know, philosophical terms about, um, you know, constant becoming and things were. So I definitely did miss some uh, context um, mm-hmm. there, but I did very much, I, I still connected with them on some level and I did very much enjoy the, the self insert aspect of this. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think that, uh, I think overall, this is a really cool uh, concept. I mean, just, just reading through it, uh, you could put your own answers in, and most of it makes really great sense. So I think you know this is is a really great this is a really great con concept piece. Um, and yeah, I I, I I haven't really seen anything else like this, but at the same time, I think this this definitely does really work to where this could be the beginning of a larger story. But if not, it is still a really cool self insert. Um, peace. So overall, great job. Yeah, I did enjoy a lot of the, the slow, you know, growth and understanding. And um, uh, while I don't think a, a longer piece is necessarily, yeah, necessary. I I did very mm-hmm. much want to see more of the the growth of this blank character that's there and not there at the same time. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, all right. Up next is by Hugo Mangers. 
uh, with the night off. Uh, so Harrison Barker has the night off, and he um, settles into his apartment, which um, he is almost n- never there. He's uh, it seems like he has like one day off at his apartment a month or something like that, um, and everyone sort of makes. Everyone in his profession who is also never ever home, you know, makes fun of him. But it's nice to have a place to call home, right? A place to return to um, some sort of stable base. Um, and we sort of, uh, it, it takes us a while before we actually find out what, what he w- works at. And uh, he's a um, professional wrestler, right? Mm-hmm. He's a, um, one, of the, one of the ones on TV, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, but right now he is injured and... We get to the, you know, sort of the climactic um, um, issue of the story, and he turns on the TV, and that's where the the big um, end of the season uh, episode of, of... WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah the WrestleFest, this one is, mm-hmm. uh, which was going to be his big break, basically. He was supposed to be there, but uh, just a bit before it, um, one of the other contenders broke his ankle on purpose, Um which I'm pretty sure is actually, they're not supposed to do that in real life, but it's fine. For the story, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, and um, he's only two beers in when he sees uh, someone with his costume, with his mask and everything, pretending to be him, go on stage and, and act as if he's there. And um, he texts the, uh, his, he texts that company telling them, oh, I'm just another face. I'm nothing for you, you know. Um you know, this is, this is bullshit. You just throw me away, you know, just because I got injured because of one of your guys, um, that you just replace me. And, um, and then he continues drinking and we can see, we can see he's, you know, righteously upset, but in the morning he gets the text. Sorry to hear that pal. We just put Rogers in the fill for you until you were healed up. I thought you could pick up the story when you get back. No hard feelings though. Good luck, <laughs> which you can tell is just like a super smarmy, like I just to make you feel bad move, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it's not, you know, he wasn't being paid for that appearance. He wasn't, um, he wasn't even told that he wasn't told that he was going to be replaced. Nothing. So yeah, they really do treat him like shit. But of course, he, you know, he can't feel help, but feel regret for throwing away this quote unquote opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Hey, that is a business baby. Um, but yeah, no, I really, really like this this story. I, I like how it's sort of a slow re- reveal as to who uh, Harrison is. Um, and I really do like how sort of focused we are in these moments in in his 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 feelings. But we are also I, I and but we but we are also at a sort of distance from what they are feeling which i uh which i really did like and the uh, ending is horribly sad for me how they just sort of re replaced him and, and you know he has to watch him i was i was really feeling feeling for him him then so um yeah i mean overall this is a really strong story that uh is very straight uh, is very straightforward and it's yeah it's telling a really sad story that I was I was really feeling hurt by the um by the uh, by the end of it. So overall, re- really great job. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the boss is a total fucking asshole for sure. Yeah. And, and and the situation that Harrison's in is is bullshit, but mm-hmm. it's real. So yeah, very real. <laughs> well, all right. Our final story for this week is by Captain Rhino. 
with marriage counseling. So, um, as you can surmise from it, we are in a marriage counseling session with um, um, uh, Aisha and Samir, um, who are talking to the therapist uh, Jamima, although she is barely there, um, other than to, you know, basically provide a setting for it. And um, we get into basically, you know, the, the therapy session. We, we explore what the uh, incident that, that brought them here is, which is that Samir was, um, you know, emotionally cheating. He was uh, flirting with a lot of women on, on Tinder. <laughs> so um, 162. Damn, Samir gets a lot of matches. Damn. I don't even think I've <laughs> met that many people. <laughs> which uh, he never went on a date with them. And um, he never, you know, sent... Uh, news of himself or anything but he received them and he you know was was talking to all these people as if he wasn't um married um or at least in a relationship i I, oh yeah there it's a marriage counselor they're married i assume (laughs) um uh which is all you know pretty pretty bad but he does feel you know very bad about it and he does not try to minimize it or anything um, he does a pretty good job of it, and we sort of go through, you know, some of the other situations going on. It's, it, you know, it's related to the pandemic. They're all cooped up together. Um, they had just lost a community around their religion because they they had severed all their their bonds that way. Uh, during it, Samir went back um, during all that that difficulty, and 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 recently, um, and uh, we kind of do get an impression that maybe there are some more problems than just Samir doing this, right? It's, it, like. They both seem to be pretty good and positive, but at the same time, it, it does seem that Aisha is, like, a little bit more aggressive about them being um, atheists than Samir is. Uh, Samir is the one that goes back, after all, and Aisha brings up, like, this this offensive, you know, apostasy, you know, song video just to, like, be like, oh, did you did you watch that again? Sort of implying that maybe it's her idea a little bit more than, than his. And some, yeah, just some other problems. And we sort of get the picture that is maybe a bit more complicated than, than just him doing bad, even mm-hmm. though he did do bad. And it's important to acknowledge that. Yeah, I really like the sort of balanced view we get here of this, this marriage counseling. Mm, yeah, definitely. I think um, as the story goes on, their marriage does seem more and more complicated, which I did like. You know, it uh, wasn't one one note. And I do like how both parties seem very willing to to be there. You know, there isn't like a whole lot of resistance. It just seems that for them to truly work things out, it's going to be like a like a harder road. I mean, they were talking about how making this change into being uh, how making this change into being a atheist really did sort of really did sort of isolate them from other people to where they only had each other. So, of course, you know. Uh, issues might rise when you're connected to 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 one person for uh, so long um but yeah i i really do like how towards the end we we do get the clear idea that there is definitely hope for their relationship it's it's not over over um but they do have a lot of work so yeah overall i just really dug this uh, this story and the and the and the characters are quite believable. So, great job. Yeah, and I thought it was a really wholesome image of, of what, you know, couples should do to, to solve their mm-hmm. their problems and stuff. So, I, I very much enjoyed it for that. Yeah. Well, all right. Thank you so much to everyone who did write this week. Uh, without y'all, uh, I won't have anything to look forward to. 
Uh, so, <laughs> so we would like to, to just give a big old do the right thing. Thank you to everyone who did write this week. So, thank you very much to No Goodbye. Thank you to Captain Rhino. Thank you, Glittering Coast. Thank you, Nipitin. Thank you, Matt Said Words. And thank you, Hugo Magners. Mm-hmm. And, and we would also like to say thank you to everyone who did leave two or more comments. Leaving two or more comments doesn't only let you put your own thoughts about your own story down, but you're providing someone else with crucial feedback that can only improve them and yourself as writers. So, thank you very much to Glittering Coast, Matt Said Words, and Captain Rhino. Thank you so much for leaving comments. Yeah, we really, really do appreciate that. And it's, yeah, it's great to see the discussion. I also love the, you know, the, when people put stuff in their own, um, under their own story, talking about how they incorporated the the challenge or, or where these ideas came from. So I really do appreciate it. Mm-hmm, if you want to be like all these wonderful people and uh, have a, a story, uh, you go to slash r slash do the right thing on Reddit um, and sit down for 30 minutes and use three of four of the words that we um, announced at the end of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And if you want to support us and everyone else in Doof Media, you can do that by donating to the Doof Media Patreon. All you have to do is donate $10 or more per month to get access to the Doof Media Discord and exclusive bonus content. Well, actually, small announcement is that the uh, Doof Media Discord is now free to, to join regardless oh, nice. of... Um, yeah, it's, it's, there, there is no uh, patron requirement. So if you are a listener and have not actually uh, joined the Doof Media um, Discord ever before, uh, now's a great time to do that. I'm pretty sure all you have to do is go to doofmedia.com slash discord. Uh, let me actually... Yep, that's right. Uh, so doofmedia.com slash discord. That's all you need to do. And uh, there's a link right there. Um, and if you uh, have trouble getting into the discord, you can also send us an email um, at rightthinkcast at gmail.com. That would be the best way to... to reaches out about anything you can also send us a dm and and follow us on twitter to see the prompts as soon as they come out which is at right thing cast nice nice so alexandra what's happening in doof media uh there's so much happening we just did the the game club on hades just this mm, last weekend so if you game. haven't watched that go do it uh you know it's a wonderful discussion with elliot and and ruben as they 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 go talk about uh that wonderful roguelike um there's also currently on doofmedia.com the march madness uh tournament where we go we're, we're going through all of the movies that the doofcast has covered in the past uh, year um so there is a lot of contenders so please vote for you know uh, what your your favorite move, movies are in these matchups and and see what the the best movie that we covered this year was mm-hmm. nice nice well all right i think it's time to announce next week's words don't you think uh, that's right do we want to talk about the challenge that we're doing for episode 100 yes so for episode 100 the challenge is back to the beginning so my myself and Alexandra are going to be going all the way back to the very first episode of Do the Right Thing, and we are going to do the edit thing to those stories we wrote, and we hope that you will be able to do the exact same thing. Yeah, so, you know, it's it's been 100 episodes. I think it is time for, you know, some self-reflection, and it'll be, I think it'll be really cool, Jarvis, to see how far we've come since mm-hmm. that, th- since two years ago. My My God. <laughs> Um, and obviously, uh, I don't think any one of y'all was writing at that time, unless if you were keeping it to yourself. 
Um, but do consider going back to maybe your first do the right thing story, you know, however long ago that was, or if it was, or if that was recent, or if you don't want to do that, you know, maybe just the first story that you wrote when you felt that you were seriously, you know, starting to write Mm -hmm. or something, something like that. Like, I mean, it's one thing you, you can take a story from your childhood or something like that, but I feel like that might not be a super fair comparison right mm-hmm. yeah um so but yeah so the last the, the the first story that you really started you know taking writing seriously i think is a is a good place to go and just see how far you've come you know give it an edit see how you much you can improve it from uh that time to this time um yeah yeah i'm really interested to, to see uh what y'all do i actually i'm i'm almost i feel like i probably shouldn't because we should probably take both of our f- stories from the first episode because that's probably you know it, it's more fitting that way but the first story i wrote when i was writing seriously was it was for so-called writers and it went through one edit like maybe a year after i wrote it mm. or maybe a little bit less than that i can't remember but yeah i'm tempted to to edit that one actually because yeah that's the first story that i felt like i was taking writing seriously actually yeah definitely definitely i mean hey as long as it is an old story that you can put your modern twist on and the words that you'll be using to accompany your fantastic edits are muggy discovery promote and channel okay so really strong word yeah so muggy as which is uh, a word that we describe uh when the air is very hot and humid sort of like the air sort of sticking to you or um you know cloying um uh discovery which is to you know discover something new which is to um to to find something new that that wasn't there before mm-hmm. that you didn't know was there before um, or it's a Discovery Channel, which uh, is usually about planet Earth and stuff. Mm. Um, promote, which is to increase the attention received to uh, something and slash or I think another application of the same definition, which is uh, when you take someone from one rank to a higher rank, um, you know, in the military or even just at a job. Mm-hmm. And then a channel, which has a couple of meanings, but basically a channel is a particular uh groove or 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 path for something to flow from one place to another that mm-hmm. could be water you know like the english channel it could be uh you could channel energy from from one thing to another uh, a, a tv channel is one particular path for tv signals to get to you um so a lot of options there 100 mm-hmm. percent. so the story i will be writing for next week will be a a fictional tv show on the discovery channel all about damn it i was gonna do a discovery channel (laughs) yes all about the muggy fog above london you see this this show will will go in to the into the specifics about what happens when fog mixes in with smog and that sort of beautiful chain reaction uh and the and the main character of of this will be a a low-level labor worker at at a water treatment facility as I go through the very heavy process of being promoted. Um, that sounds like a wonderful story. Um, a little bit boring, but it's fine. Very boring. Uh, I'm going to be writing <laughs> um, a story. This is a very meta story. It's got layers, right? Okay, so yeah. this is a, a TV channel, okay, mm-hmm. uh, where these people, right, mm-hmm. on a uh, hot and, and muggy night in Florida... Uh, they stumbled upon a boat 
that was an antique shop, which had washed up onto the shore, and inside they found a television. They discovered, they had a discovery, haha, <laughs> and found, found a television, right? And they plugged it in, right? And um, they started uh, clicking through the channels, right? And that went, as that went on, uh, they realized that the channels weren't all real. Um, and the further and further away they got to, from, from channel zero, and they could only do it by just, you know, pressing the, the channel change button. They couldn't just hit a number or something like that. The stranger and stranger the channels became. Um, you know, you had uh, cartoons about um, the the art of decapitation. You had um, uh, one of the, one of those marketing channels promoting um, uh, 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 promoting the 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 live the eating the the devouring of live rats hairs and all you know there was a lot of weird stuff on there and then um they got it got canceled because they they saw some boobs on the channels and that's not allowed so they got they got canceled wow that you know what that seems like a really good like jumanji spinoff you know, mm-hmm. it's that, but with the, uh, but with the television, like a more modern Zithura, you know? Mm-hmm. Or like a interdimensional cable kind of thing. Mm, yeah, like in uh, Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. We should invite Rick and Morty on here. Yeah, we should write Rick and Morty fan a fanfic, but it has to be self-insert. Okay, sounds like a plan. I, that sounds like a great thing to do the right thing too. Yeah. All right, see like so y'all, folks. Um, was it was it like what did he say? Like wobble, wobble, bing bong or something? Oh yeah, is it's, that his uh, catchphrase? It's a uh, wobble, wobble.